Morning. 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 Nice to see you all. I wasn't expecting to be uh, up here this morning, but um, unfortunately, uh, as Wade shared, uh, Paul Paul rocks it up very well, uh, so we can remember him in prayer. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that Paul had a suitable harvest theme message. So it's going to be harvest theme, but in a kind of very kind of roundabout sort of way. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to be uh, taking us to uh, John's Gospel. So the Gospel of John and um, Chapter Nine, and uh, we won't be quite thinking about harvest in the normal way, uh, but uh, you might see that there's a kind of convoluted harvest link. So John's Gospel, chapter 9, let me read it to you, and for context, we'll read the whole chapter, and then I'll I'll pray. So John's Gospel, chapter 9, and we're thinking this morning about the man born blind, the man who, uh, born blind, who is begging and receives sight. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, The night is coming when no man can work, no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with his saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbours and those who previously had seen that he was born blind said, Is this not he who begged, who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him? 
because he opened your eyes. He said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been born, he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked him, asked them saying, is this your son whom you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would put him out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why, do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvellous thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshipper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see. Therefore your sin remains. Well, may the Lord uh, bless that, uh, that passage in that chapter to us this, this morning. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful word. 
We thank you that it is active and living. It's like a double-edged sword. We thank you that it gives life. And Lord, that uh, we can be made wise unto salvation through the hearing of your word. That we can have dull eyes open. We can have our ears open to hear. So Lord, we ask that you would indeed uh, uh, grant us unction and liberty and hearing and listening to your wonderful word this morning. Lord, that we would be captivated by the Lord Jesus Christ. As we think about uh, our great God and Saviour, Lord, that we might be lifted up uh, uh, to uh, worship you in a deeper way as we think about these things this morning. Amen. 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 So uh, we're going to be thinking about this, this blind man and uh, the title I have is really from verse 25. If I've got a title, it's from verse 25. And it's basically from the, the last part of that verse when, when he's answering them, uh, you know, and uh, the Pharisees, and uh, he says this, you know, one thing I know, that though I was blind, I now see. I was blind, but now I see. Now, you may remember a while back, I don't know uh, uh, if there's still any uh, of these posters around. You may remember a certain optician company had these posters and adverts. And it was a kind of poster advert campaign that, you know, you had a scenario uh, on the poster or in the advert and it might be of a different scene or something, somebody driving a car or it might be a referee in a football match and all these uh, angry uh, footballers around this referee and, and there would be a sort of a, a catchphrase. I wonder if anybody can remember the, the catchphrase. Some of you might go and get your glasses from this company. Should have gone to. That's right. So I'm sorry for, for advertising spec savers, you know. Um, so if you go to Scrivens or something else, please forgive me. But uh, you know the you know the image. You know, should have gone to spec savers. And you, and for those of you who follow football or maybe sport, well, maybe if you like Matt, and you're an Aston Villa fan and you, you're watching a game and you and and it's all going pear shaped. And you've got all these people, the fans, and well, it's not Steve Gerrard now, but probably uh, when he was their manager, and he's he's shouting at the referee, you know, and he's probably shouting things like, "Are you blind? You know, have you where's your glasses?" or things like that. Well, we're kind of thinking on on a theme this morning on um, uh, being blind, but then made being made to see. I was blind. But now I see. So there is a kind of harvest theme in a roundabout sort of way. Because if we're, we're thinking about this, this man who's born blind, uh, we see that you know, he's uh, begging uh, when he's introduced uh, to us at the beginning of the chapter, isn't he? And uh, we, we're, we're thinking about the, uh, the harvest items that are being brought. And... They're going to be given to the city mission, which is great. And I work for the city mission. And uh, this is a real blessing uh, for us as we're giving out to folk. 
and we're in, entering into a very time of need, very big need. I think I heard the, uh, I think on on the radio from Trussell Trust, somebody I think they were being interviewed or they were saying, giving the percentage increase of people approaching the Trussell Trust, how the increase and the needs going up, uh, and of course the giving is going down. Um, and this this blind beggar would have been somebody who uh, was in need. He was in need of food parcels. Uh, he was born blind. But this is really uh, uh, an amazing miracle that the Lord does, isn't it? And it's a great picture for us. It's a great gospel picture uh, when we see this. Because it reminds us of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Because we were born blind spiritually and yet for many of us here maybe not all of us but many of us who are here who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ we were blind we know we were blind and we can say with the, the beggar can't we I was blind but now I can see I was in spiritual darkness but now I'm in spiritual light that's why you're able to sing with such gusto this morning, with the, the songs and the hymns. If we were still in darkness, well, we'd just be going through, uh, um, just through empty ritual, wouldn't we? And so many churches around the country, people are doing that. They might be singing hymns that they don't really have any idea what the true meaning of those words are. There are people who are lost I'm blind. I was reminded of those words that are very famous from John Newton, from his hymn. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. The blind man would be able to say those words if, if John Newton had been around then. He would have said yes. He, he would have been able to say, that's exactly my case. That's my situation. The Lord Jesus Christ has done this for me. So we're going to think about the blind man this morning. Uh, a man who's begging, a man who needs help, a man who needs food parcels. And uh, he was there begging, hoping that he would get money, that people would be able to provide for him. Maybe his parents just weren't able to to help him and that's such a, a, a very sad situation isn't it when we really think about this so let us think uh, about um, this uh, wonderful narrative John doesn't uh, record many welcome come and join us John doesn't record so many miracles but when he does you know, he brings a lot out of the narrative, doesn't he, about what happens leading up to the, the healing and afterwards. And we see really all of chapter 9 is kind of really um, taken up with this uh, narrative, with this uh, uh, account of this man who was born blind and his encounter with Jesus, which is life-changing, it's transforming, and then... We see this whole kind of interview interrogation going on 
with the Pharisees. And so we're going to be thinking about these things this morning. Now, in the previous chapter, you don't need to turn to it, but if you kind of glance over, you will see in John chapter 8, we see Jesus mainly teaching uh, in the temple. And we've got him sort of interacting um, with the Pharisees, with the religious elite. And in chapter chapter 8, verse 12, we've got Jesus saying this, uh, um, speaking about himself, and it's one of the great I am sayings. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And of course, as we go into chapter 9, we see... Uh, at verse, the end of the, uh, at verse 5, he's, he says this again. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. <coughs> and of course, when Jesus is saying that, there's great uh, theological impact. Uh, for those Pharisees hearing him say that, they would have known what he was saying, what he was referring to, because we know that uh, God himself, God the Father, is, is, is light. And uh, so there are all kinds of references there to God the Father. And, and of course the temple, we see all kinds of things that are pointing out the light, the light of, of, of God. We've got the great candlestick there and uh, so forth. So Jesus is saying something that is quite profound there back there in chapter Eight. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And elsewhere he says this to the, the, the Pharisees, because they would not and they could not accept his words. And so he's very clear with them. There are 24 and verse chapter 8. It's when he says to them, I therefore say to you that you shall die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So there it is, very straight, very clear. Jesus is, is being very um, very authoritative with the, with the Pharisees because of their blind, their spiritual blindness uh, and their, their um, belligerence in not accepting who he is, not accepting that he is the light of the world, and trusting in their own self-righteousness, Jesus is being very clear to them. And of course, any of us who, are, who might be wanting to trust in our own goodness uh, and our own efforts of making ourselves right with God, that's really uh, the verse for us, isn't it? Unless we uh, turn to Christ, we will die in our sins. And that's quite a, a, quite a, a drastic verse to think about, but... We must think uh, about that very clearly. If we uh, don't belong to Christ this morning, if we come this morning to this place, to this church, and we don't know Christ as our personal saviour, then that those are very frightening words. You know, you shall die in your sins if you do not believe that I am He, that I am the light of the world, that I am. You know, the Redeemer, the Saviour, the promised Messiah. And of course they appealed to Abraham and Moses as their authority. And they were very knowledgeable uh, and uh, 
learned people. But you see, they didn't really understand, they didn't really join the dots, make the links that these very men were prophesying and looking forward to the coming of Christ. And so uh, verse 56, as we you know, come towards the end of chapter 8, Jesus says to them, Yes, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. So in a sense, there's Moses and Abraham all those years ago. They in a sense could see. They had that spiritual light. It was very dim. But they knew the Lord Jesus Christ was coming. So we're thinking about having true spiritual light. We see that there's spiritual darkness here with these uh, these uh, uh, men, uh, these Pharisees. And we see that there's truth and reality in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want us to notice a couple of things about chapter 9 as we've, we've read it. We notice the thinking of the disciples right at the start there, at the, at the beginning of the chapter. And in a sense, that of the Pharisees. And it's maybe common thinking at the time. And it's the assumption, uh, and the danger is that we, many people today can think maybe the same way, uh, that people who have great, uh, you know, who are uh, bad sinners, bad people, ought to suffer or to, to have um, illness and bad things need to happen to them. Uh, and if somebody's good, then well, they should have prosperity and, uh, and 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 health and so forth. And I guess this thinking was quite common. The Pharisees were were convinced that this beggar was a blind man, was 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 a, a man born in great sin. And even when they come to realise that yes, this man had been born blind, and the, there was the evidence of the neighbours, there was the evidence of of his parents. Yet they still had this idea, yeah, he's, he's a sinner. He's a man born in great sin. You know, there's the, the sin there. And, uh, that he, he wasn't like them. He wasn't, um, you know, righteous and, and proper as they were. They saw themselves. And people can often have this kind of thinking about suffering. And you might uh, know people like this. And they've got this, this kind of thinking. And they can become very bitter. Have you met people like that? Uh, and they might have some problems in their lives. And they're very angry because they've had suffering. Uh, and they look at other people. Other people who they deem to be worse than themselves. And they think, well, why aren't they suffering? Why is it me that's suffering? Why is it that my husband's ill? What about that person down the road? Or, or these people that read about the newspaper who do so many bad things. Why aren't they suffering? Don't they deserve it? And they, of course they think it's a, an injustice. And maybe this was the kind of thinking the disciples were thinking right there in verses, uh, in verses uh, uh, 1 and 2. Uh, and Jesus is answering them and he's basically saying this. It's not that this man said. Or his parents. Uh, but listen to this but that the works of God might be displayed in him. But that the works of God might be displayed in him. See, the man's blindness and his, his, his situation was, was bleak. It wasn't good. 
at all. And in a sense, it is the result of sin. It's the result of sin that we see in the world of humanity under the cursing consequences of sin. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says this, By one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin. This man was a sinner, and so was his parents. But what the Lord is saying here, is back there in verse 3, is that the works of God might be displayed. In a sense, God had allowed these terrible circumstances, these circumstances of this man being born blind, and being in this pitiful condition, there he is, he's, he's begging, he's, he's, he's uh, at right at the bottom in, in, the, in the stratus of society. He's there right at the bottom. You've got the Pharisees who really consider themselves somewhere up here. He, you know, everything is going wrong for this man. He has no hope. And yet what God Jesus is saying that God has planned all that. He's allowed these terrible circumstances. He's ordained this situation so that in due time, this man can be the recipient of God's compassion, love and mercy. And that Jesus can be revealed as the Messiah. And it's all for his eternal praise and glory. And that's why we can, we can sing praises to God this morning. Can't we? When we read and we think about this wonderful passage, it should cause us to worship Jesus and give him glory for who he is. And the Lord will not miss an opportunity uh, to be um, showing compassion, showing care. We have a great Saviour, haven't we? We have a great Saviour who has the power to save to the uttermost, to do things for his people and that's why Jesus is saying in verse 4 and 5 I must do the works of him who sent me yes we've got a great saviour my friends J.C. Ryle uh, the uh, great evangelical bishop of Liverpool from a bygone age says this he can open the eyes of the most sinful and ignorant and make them see things they never saw before. He can send light into the darkest heart and cause blindness and prejudice to pass away. That's our Lord Jesus Christ, my friends. That's the Lord Jesus Christ who touched this man, this man who was in such a dreadful state, uh, a, a person who was really in, in society no, a nobody because he was blind, he was begging. And yet he was touched and he was made to see. And as we will see, he was not only made to physically see, but to see spiritually. And John, at the end of his gospel, writes this, but these are written, these accounts, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And that's what happened to this man on this 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 day this day would, would, when he probably was uh, sitting down to bed probably thought it was just going to be like any other day maybe somebody will give him some money maybe he can get some food maybe um, somebody might bring him a parcel of food maybe a couple of tins of uh, um, baked beans or something well the equivalent of the day 
and uh, he probably had no idea he was going to encounter the, the Lord Jesus Christ. No idea, no awareness. And of course, the, the disciples, as we see from their questions, really aren't quite joining all the dots yet. And what do we see with the, the, the religious Pharisees? Well, they, as we've already noted, they don't accept or appreciate what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. They don't accept the act of mercy that the Lord has done by doing what he did to this blind man. And it's very deliberate what Jesus does, because Jesus could have just said to him, you are healed, he could have just spoken it. Why is he making this spittle? Why is he going through this, this uh, act of making this clay, if you like, and anointing the man's eyes, and then telling him to go to the pool of Siloam? That's very deliberate. And of course, we're told that in the passage, uh, John uh, lets us know that it was a, the, the Sabbath. This was the Sabbath day. And of course, the Pharisees, well, they, you know, for them, this, this is just a violation of the, the Sabbath, uh, of the, the Mosaic law. Uh, Jesus has done something uh, that wasn't right. Uh, and of course, they're not really seeing the original spirit that the law was written or intended in the, uh, in the beginning. And it's very ironic that they're reacting in this way to ultimately the lawgiver. Jesus himself is the lawgiver, isn't he? As God become man there in eternity past, he was the one that gave the law. But you see, uh, Jesus is acting out the law as it should be understood. And the law gave provision for acts of mercy. The Shorty Catechism speaks about the Lord's Day that there can be works of what, what it calls necessity and works of mercy. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did when he healed this man. He wasn't violating any aspect of the Mosaic law when he reached out to this needy man and restored, really, his seeing faculties. You see, this is an amazing um, uh, miracle. Because this man never saw, if he was born blind, he had no um, idea about the function of seeing, which we take, for most of us here, we take it for granted that, you know, even if you, you've got a pair of glasses or your eyes are deteriorating, we've all had eyesight, haven't we? We'll all be able to see, but this man was born blind. And um, Abba was uh, pointing out um, uh, uh, to me um, that uh, this really is an amazing miracle. It's a fantastic miracle what Jesus Christ done. Because it wasn't just simply fixing the eyes, it was fixing the neural pathways in the brain so that he'd be able to understand that he's seeing. Because that's, that's what's, what's needed if somebody's born blind. That's what has to happen. And Jesus did that. That's the amazing thing of this miracle. And it is truly uh, amazing. Now I've lost my, my uh, path of thought now. We'll, we'll uh, uh, find out where I am. So what was I, what was I talking about? So uh, it's just amazing how the miracle of what Jesus has done, isn't it? We're, we're, we're talking about, you know, 
how amazing Jesus is in healing this, this man. And how blind the, the Pharisees are. And they are indeed blind, aren't they? Uh, and they're, they're assuming that he's um, a great sinner. They are the ones that are truly blind. They're the ones that can't see. They're getting harder and harder of heart. And yet we see as, this, as the passage unfolds, as we've read, it, it's twice that they interview or interrogate this man. And it's really uh, amazing how this blind man reacts to them. You see, when we look at the passage, we see when, when they call his parents, his parents are very, uh, well, they're very coy, aren't they? They kind of say, well, yes, he was born blind. Yes, he's our son. But, well, he's of age. Go and ask him, you know, because obviously the people were fearful. People didn't want to associate with Jesus because of, they didn't want to be thrown out of the synagogue and in, in effect being excommunicated from the community. But what do we see with the blind man? Does, is, he, uh, is he backwards and going forwards, as, as, as it's often said? No. He's actually very forthright with them, isn't he? And he's, for some reason, he's not afraid of that. He's not afraid to... to uh, uh, respond to them and respond to them in a very forthright manner isn't he when we, we look at him particularly in the uh, uh, second uh, part of the, the, the interview where they're kind of they've been trying to find out well who is this man who is it you know uh, and uh, he says well he's, he's a man called Jesus I don't know whether he's a sinner or not but he, he, he acknowledges, first of all, that he's a prophet. He must be a prophet. This man is a prophet. Uh, so the spiritual awakening is just increasing there in this blind man. Uh, and, of course, this whole interrogation kind of scenario is exposing this spiritual enlightenment and awakening that's happening in this blind man. So Jesus is, well, he doesn't know who Jesus is, but he must be a prophet because Nobody, nobody's born a sinner, can do what, what, this, what this man has done for him. He's given him a blind uh, sight. And this man would have known what a great miracle it, is, it was. And then he starts to uh, 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 chide them, doesn't he? Uh, and uh, there, there we are, verse 30. So you just look at verse 30, and he's answering, because they're... They're kind of basically assuming, well, Jesus, this man's a sinner because he's, he's, he's violated. What, what really was um, add-ons to, to the Mosaic law about what people could do or couldn't do on a Sabbath day? But they were very sort of outward ordinances. They weren't really following the spirit of the law. But there, there he is. Uh, verse 29, they say, well, uh, we know that God spoke to Moses, but... As for this fellow, we don't know where he's from. What's his authority? So this is what the blind man says. Why, this is a marvellous thing that you don't know where he is from. Yeah, and what does he say then? He has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but anyone is a worshipper of God and does his will. He hears him. So he's not acknowledging that Jesus is a prophet. He's acknowledging, well, he must be from God. He must be a true worshipper of God. He must be somebody who is doing the will of God. And then he says, verse 32, Since the world began, it has been unheard of 
Anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So this man is from God. Whoever this Jesus is, he's a prophet, he's special, he's from God. Uh, and so the, 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 the scales from his eyes, his spiritual eyes are being removed bit by bit, aren't they? And he's saying this to the Pharisees. He's not being like his parents being, well, okay, I don't know who this Jesus is. Um, uh, I can't help you anymore because he's afraid. Well, he's at the bottom of the pile of social order anyway. But he's being very forthright with them. He's being very clear. And of course, what happens? He gets, he gets uh, pushed out. He gets cast out. And that is really quite traumatic because for that to happen to anybody at that time really meant excommunication it was a, a, a serious thing and yet he is willing to stand up uh, for the truth this blind man and it's kind of reminded me of what the apostle paul says in 1 corinthians chapter 1 don't need to turn to it i'll read it to you this is what paul says in to the corinthians there in chapter 1 i'm reading a section verse 26 for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God shows what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God shows what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who become to, became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification and redemption. So as it is written, let no one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now those are wonderful words, aren't they? And we don't have to try and prove to, that we are anything before God. Because Jesus has done everything for us. If we want to be accepted by God, if we want to get to heaven, if we want to be made right uh, and stand right before God, we don't have to go out and try and get a good education. And these Pharisees at the time, they had the best education that the world could offer. We, we, we don't need to do that. We don't need to rely on those things or rely on a, a good performance or a good career or having good social standing, it doesn't mean anything. Because, as, as it says here, Christ, God chooses the foolish thing. And we are the foolish things. And this blind man in that situation, with those Pharisees, as they were interrogating him, he was that foolish thing in the world. And he was used to shame the wise. He was what got, that the weak things in the world that shame was strong. And he did. And they didn't like it. When we, 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 you know, we, we see their reaction to it. But he answered them very, very well. And I don't think he, he was doing that on his own. But I think, you know, God, when Jesus healed him, Jesus gave him that spiritual illumination. He was awakening, not only giving him physical eyes to see, but giving him spiritual eyes. Yes, God chooses the weak and foolish things of this world. And exactly what happened 
with this beggar and the Pharisees. So very, very sadly, he's he's he's, he's ejected from, obviously from from their presence, and that kind of means excommunication means that you know, you know he's being rejected, and yet we know that he's not rejected by the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to now, as we close, just home in on the on this final section here, where we read in verse thirty-five, where we see that Jesus had heard. He'd heard that this man had been cast out. And what does it say? He said, and when he had found him. When he had found him. You know, that, those, that, that's a, a wonderful verse, isn't it? When it says there, verse 35, he had found him. Think about that. You know, Jesus could have gone on and said, right, well, I've got other people to heal. You know, I've got other things to do. He's gone and he sought out this man. He's gone and sought out somebody who was rocked from the bottom of the pile of society. And he, he has sought him out. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's what Jesus does for us, you know. He comes and he seeks us out. We don't seek him. Naturally, we're not looking for him as we go through life. We're not asking Jesus to do anything for us. The, be the beggar uh, in, in our story here wasn't shouting out to Jesus or anything. He was there. He was begging by the street. But Jesus reached out to him. And Jesus sought him out. Uh, a verse that came to me last night when I was thinking about this morning was Luke uh, 19 verse 10. And it's... Um, you know uh, the, the passage with with uh, Zacharias, uh, Zacchaeus, and the conversion of Zacchaeus. Uh, you know there he is, a little man of short stature, up in the tree, and he's, and you know, the, the key word is curiosity, isn't it? Because he wants to see Jesus, and so Jesus looks up to him and calls him and says, "I'm coming to your house today," and then. At verse 10 in that passage, and it's familiar to us, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. The Son of Man has come to seek and save. And that's what Jesus, Lord Jesus, is doing with this beggar, isn't he? This blind man, he's giving him sight, he's giving him true spiritual sight, um, and he's seeking him out. He is lost, but he has been found. He's been found by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So these are the verses I just want to uh, 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 highlight for you this morning. Verses 35 through to 38. And these are the verses that, you know, if you, if you want to take away a, a section from this passage, this is what I now want to just hold in as we come to a close. You know, Jesus has found him. Having found him, said, Do you believe the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. So as we come to a conclusion, let us meditate on what transpires at the end of this narrative. So Jesus is seeking out this man, he finds him, and he asked him this question, Do you believe in the Son of God? 
because the Pharisees certainly didn't. They didn't want to. Their hearts were so hardened against Christ. But he's now uh, coming, seeking out this man, and he's asking him, Oh, what about you? Do you believe? Do you believe in the Son of God? And of course, this man, man's heart has been opened spiritually. This man's ready. And of course, we see his response. Yes, you know, it, it, I don't know who he is, but I, I want to believe in it. And of course, he says, you know, he says to him, um, you have both seen him and heard him. It is he who is he, he was talking with you. So this is this wonderful self-disclosure to this man, isn't it? This man is now uh, seeing who Christ is. And what's his response? <coughs> Verse 38. And this is the response that, that uh, Christ wants us all to, to, to give, isn't it? Verse 38. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. I believe in you. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you are the Son of Man who came to seek and to find the lost. I believe that you are the light of the world. And then what does it say? I, Lord, I believe. And then the final part of verse 38. And he worshipped him. He worshipped Christ. He saw Christ for all his glory and majesty and worth. What a contrast to those Wicked, self-righteous Pharisees who couldn't see it. And he's, he's saying, I want to worship you. You are the light of the world. So we, we, we see three things. Three things beginning with C for you to take away. We see the compassion and comfort that the Lord Jesus has for the lost. The Lord Jesus sought this man out. The Lord had healed him. The Lord wants to find him. So there's the compassion of, of his, the Saviour. And then there's the, uh, the, 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 the confirming of his identity. When Jesus says to him, Well, you have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you. So Jesus confirms his identity. And then we see a true confession. So comfort, confirmation and confession. And this is a confession of faith. This man is making a confession of faith. It's very simple, isn't it? I believe and he worshipped him. And that is really uh, where, where the Lord wants us to be, isn't it, this morning? He doesn't want us to be like the, the, the disciples missing the point doesn't want us to be like the uh, the neighbours and the, the you know who are inquisitive, but maybe not really seeing seeing the whole picture, um, seeing that something something amazing has happened, but they don't really see see the, the true picture. And the Pharisees, well, they're 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 blind. Even so, they think because of all their knowledge and status and what have you that they can see. But as Jesus reminds them at the end of the chapter. You know, their blindness remains. But this man, well, he has had his eyes opened. And the Lord Jesus Christ 
will do that for us. That he will come and seek us out. We are uh, the ones that are lost. And Jesus seeks the lost. He, he goes out to find the lost. And it says, John Newton says, isn't it? And he's, it's him. Amazing grace. I once was lost, but, but now I'm found. Jesus found him out. And for those of you who are aware of, of his life story, I mean, it's an amazing one, but there are others who can, you know, who have been, had their, had their lives turned around dr- dramatically, who weren't necessarily thinking about, um, you know, living a, religi- a religious life or a righteous life, weren't thinking of it at all. But at some point, because of certain circumstances that God allows, the Lord Jesus Christ has sought them out. He has found them. He has opened their eyes. Rosaria Butterfield is a uh, author, a Christian author in the United States. Uh, at one time, she was a lecturer of, I will correct me, I think it was English studies. She was liberal. She was a lesbian. Uh, she was very part of this, the, the thinking of this world, if you like. But through certain events, certain circumstances, so quite a, a remarkable story, she comes to faith in Christ. And uh, you can go on YouTube and uh, you can hear her giving her testimony of how God, through the, the Lord Jesus Christ, found her and opened her eyes. And it's it's quite a, an amazing story, and if we and I think she calls herself a reluctant convert because she wasn't looking for it. She was quite happy in her uh, her liberal um, um, gay lifestyle that she was living, uh, lecturing um, uh, and uh, and so forth there in that universe in, in the university where she was in the United States. Uh, but it's certain circumstances that brought her to a point where her eyes were open and she saw who the Lord Jesus Christ truly was. And she became, like this man, somebody who, who could say, I believe, and was a, had become a worshipper and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Charles Wesley penned these words. From that great hymn, Over a Thousand Tongues. Hear him, ye deaf, ye praise, ye dumb, you loosened tongues employ, ye blind. Behold, your Saviour come, and leap, ye lame, for joy. So I hope these uh, meditations have been of help to you this morning. Maybe for somebody here this morning, maybe. Uh, there's there's uh, something for you, a challenge for you to think about the Lord Jesus Christ afresh, to seek him, to seek the one who's seeking you. Paul says, For God has said, Let, shine, let the sharp light shine out of darkness, has shone in, shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. May the Lord be blessed. Amen. Amen.